know I'm not the prettiest man that you ever seen. I know you've been to places that I've never been. I recognize the darkness in your eyes. I identify with your casual disguise. My angel falling, calling out my name, angel falling. Shining down on everything, my angel falling. Right before my, right before my eyes, even the angel cries. I know what's going on inside your head now, child. I've worn your shoes and I walked a million miles. Ever looking back and trying to reconcile? Well, just rest your wings and let me shelter you while my angel falling, calling out my name, angel falling, shining down on everything, my angel falling. Right before my, right before my eyes, even the angel cries. Even the angel cries. Even the angel cries. Yeah. The sweetest thing I ever laid my eyes upon. I look deeper, baby, and the mystery's gone. Ever looking back and trying to reconcile? Well, just rest your wings and let me shelter you while my angel falling, calling out my name, angel falling. Shining down on everything, my angel falling. Right before my, right before my for the cover-up on the forgetting of the words in the middle of my song. In the middle of your, your song? Yes. It happens all the time. I covered it, though. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, you guys. This is the Cream-Based Bus, and today we have a special guest with us. His name is Mitch Barr, and he is here to give us a couple songs, and all originals, of course, and, you know, we're kind of just going to talk and learn about Mitch and what he's got going on and um, that was your song what was that song that called? That song is Angel Falling. Do you have a place where people can hear this song yet? Um, I, there's some of my music up on SoundCloud I guess it's okay. SoundCloud, SoundClick both okay. of them there's music up there. Okay, very cool, very cool. Yeah. 
How long have you been recording music and actually putting stuff out for people to see? Uh, the first time that I actually heard myself performing, like recorded, was back in somewhere around 1990. Uh, a good friend of mine had a little Tascam four track. Very cool. And, uh, Cassette? Yeah, I'll play you one of those songs in a little while that, that, that's kind of appropriate to where we are. But, but uh, it was kind of life-changing. You know, I'd been playing and singing for many years, but I'd never heard anything that I did. Or, or it, was, it was really cool. I'd have to say that when I started really recording myself is when I really started finding out what my sound was. I think it really helps you deliver the way you want to deliver, you know? And hearing yourself play and hearing yourself back, you really learn the mistakes as well, the things you want to correct, the things you want to get better at. And um, it, for me, it definitely helped. I think that's why I personally went into recording myself. Yeah, I, um, I, I think I told you, you know, I was early on, I was predominantly an electric guitar player. The right, first time right. I picked up any guitar was an electric I think it's the way to go. <laughs> and that's what I did. I was, you know, I was a solo. Right? And I could do that stuff all day and all night, on electric especially. Sure. Um, and then, of course, I met the woman who turned out to be the love of my life, and all these songs started coming. And, and <laughs> you know, I started listening to, you know, a lot of James Taylor and Jackson Brown and Don Henley and all these great songwriters and um, and those are the people you'd say inspired you? No, okay. no question. Yeah, okay. sure. Very cool. Heck yeah. Yeah, I'd say um, this is this is really exciting for me to be here with someone who's been playing music for a long time and is inspired to keep playing and wants to be here and kind of talk to me about it. Feels really good. Thanks uh, for having. I'm really really glad to have you here i'm thrilled i'm thrilled that that, that you asked me um you know every every everybody that picks up an instrument and and spends some time mastering it to one degree or another invests a lot of themselves um no matter what they tell you they they will always take an opportunity to share it however uncomfortable I, it right, may, right. i'm not good at this but um <laughs> You know, when it's me alone in a recording studio, I make great music. You know, when I'm doing this live, like my heart's thumping and my legs are jiggling and all right, that good right. stuff. So, it's all the good stuff. Yeah, it's, but, but it's it's good. It's good energy. It's not, right. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, <sighs> you asked me like so. I so a very good friend of mine who I still you know, all these forty years later, I still am in contact with. Um, we sat one day in his in his room back in the Bronx, and and we recorded three of my songs, and and I drove home with a cassette player. You know, this is y'all remember cassettes, right? <laughs> These things you stick them in a slot, and they turn, and they could break and stuff. And um, we're getting some likes on TikTok for the cassette player. Uh, yeah, there you go. Cool. <laughs> so you got you guys remember cassettes? Excellent. <laughs> um, and 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 the whole way home. It was this life-changing experience, hearing what my voice sounded like recorded, hearing my electric guitar, which I had spent 
gazillions of hours playing when I was supposed to be in school, of course. Um, <laughs> and and that was that was life changing for sure. And it and it it lit the fuse that was uh, supposed to be the rocket ship that was my career. I spent the next fifteen years chasing the dream, you know, right. as as uh, as defined by all the greats, you know, I wanted to be the next Jackson Brown, the next uh, uh, Eagles, the next. I think you're still definitely on that road. I mean, you're you're nomadic van sessions now. So I am. Yes, I, I have played more in front of people in the last two months since I moved into my van than I have in probably probably 10 years so that's awesome it's, it's pretty cool yeah it's pretty cool oh yeah would you say um when you when you think about um starting getting in love with music also was it, um the time well you said that you were also falling in love as well so i was in love music was my first love it'll be my last love uh I, I I got divorced after 30 years. Uh, to, she's a great lady, but yeah, I'm still married. She'd be to thrilled this. to know that you were still saying that. She she, does, <laughs> she knows. We speak we speak we speak frequently. We have we have four great kids together, and and two of whom are are monsters on this guitar and you know, can sing amazing like. You know, they grew up with guitars in their hands, so... Uh, Which is incredible. In, in any creative aspect, to keep your kids being creative, you know, like keeping that around them to be able to experience creativity um, from a young age is so important, you know. When you're talking about people who are young people who don't know how to express emotion yet, the easiest way to express I'm it is do, through I'm going to do the this. rudest thing, but I think it's crucial that I do it because there is a photo that you will absolutely love that I want to share with you. Uh, hopefully I can find this. So first of all, this is, this is one of my sons with his, with his, that's my guitar that I built, right? Oh, that's the one. That's Mike. This is, yeah, this is the guitar I told Oh, you shit. Uh, Mike is now traveling nomadically by motorcycle he's down in uh mike mike's moto travels mike's moto travels follow yep. mike's moto travels you want to be blown away by what this life can look like my son mike <laughs> bar mike's moto travels um he rode from new york to the west coast spent a lot of time here in the desert and then crossed the southern border into mexico he's currently in cartagena colombia waiting for his bike to ship around the Darien Gap. That's quite a flex, uh, I guess. It's, it's amazing. He, he's a baller. Like, he really this is, is. This is the bike I'm going to use. Forget about it. Uh, oh, absolutely. But wait, there's there's one more that I really need to show you. Uh, where is it? I'll find it. Keep talking. I'd say that it's... I'm, I'm very new to, to music in any aspects, really, and so playing with people who are better than me is really important to me. I want to continue to get better. I don't know that I'm better than you. I haven't heard you play yet. I guess that's true. We'll have to get me on one I of these. We'll huh? get you on <laughs> one of these for sure. Uh, the, there's, the reason that this photo is so important is because it, it, it does it does put a huge um, um, asterisk slash italics on the, the role of music in 
in in in young people's lives and um you know what instead of looking for it now i will find it and you can you can cut it in anywhere you want to i'll do it it is a photo of my youngest son at approximately three or four years old sitting on my bed with the the um the mini fender stratocaster that i bought for him and and looking like he is the king of the world fucking holding a guitar like <laughs> like like it's supposed to be held like right, a woman right, right. and and just already at his age it's killing me i i should have i should have pulled this up earlier but at, even at his age then he was ready to rock killing this shit <laughs> and and now now again as i told you they're all they're, they're all beasts but the, the, the both of them are beasts uh they do other things but but um, um, I'm not going to waste more time looking yeah. for it, but so we'll find it. Where Where do you plan on being over the next course of the next you know few weeks? Are you going to stay in Arizona? Because right now, you guys, we are in uh, we're right outside of Lake Havasu City. Yeah, beautiful uh, here. Absolutely beautiful. We're in like a bowl of different mountains around us, all different shapes and forms. Literally, we're just in the circle of it, and we've been here for a. L- at least a week. I've been here for about a week. Yeah, I seven mean, I've days. I've been here. I got here uh, sort of the 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 Thursday or Friday after schoolie. You know, I stayed a few days after that ended, and uh, came out here. Was on the other side, like the main entry into Craggy Wash, and then our sort of group here found this bowl, and and uh, it's just been. I mean, you were here. It's truly heaven on earth, yet it's f- ten minutes from the the city of Lake Havasu City. And, and we we haven't even made it in yet to actually see it. That w- we're gonna do that tomorrow. Which I'm really is, excited. It's gotta be the downside of exclusively being in the bus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When you're when you're in something like this, you don't want to move it all the time. You want to set up your stuff, be ready to do what you do here, and that's it. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I. You know, I mean, I'm I'm the motorcycle guy. Uh, uh, we should talk about that. Like, I wound up in this life mm-hmm. because of my motorcycle accident, in in a roundabout way. So you were kind of already touching on the idea of being nomadic, but on the bike was the plan. I, well, I was living somewhat nomadically um, in my work. My work takes me began to take me everywhere, like all back and forth across the country. Um, you know, I was living in California after my divorce, and then, you know, COVID hit. I started private practicing. I guess I should clarify, right? So I'm a, a substance abuse counselor uh, and a recovery coach, and I, I work with um, people who struggle with addiction, alcoholism, and, and any other issues that may be going on in their lives. Um, but, but primarily addiction related. And, and uh, so when I got laid off from my job, I st- immediately within two weeks, I had more private clients than I knew what to do with locally. And then somewhere around May of 2021, I was asked passionately, I won't use the word begged, I guess I just did, uh, by a wife of a former client to come to Oklahoma City and help this former client who was really killing themselves with alcohol and so 
I packed my truck, I loaded my bike, and off to Oklahoma City I went. And I was, I was there from May of 2021, and I was set to leave the very end of September to go to my son's wedding and then Parts Unknown after that. And I, w I was in a very serious motorcycle accident. I got hit while out for a ride on the highway. And that, um, in addition to wrecking my bike, it wrecked my body. And I was laid up for about six months and did nothing. I was bedbound for five of those months. Um, That's a really debilitating feeling to feel like you need somebody to do the things you want to do the most. You this know? thing? Not this guitar, because mm -hmm. I gave that guitar to my uh, one of my sons. This is a recent purchase, but the guitar, mm -hmm. it saved my life. It, it, it's, to, I, I hate to cliche it and bring it back to music, but if I don't have this thing in my hand, um, I can live without a warm female body next to me. I cannot <laughs> live without this next to my bed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I will pick it up and put it down and pick it up and put it down a hundred times a day sometimes. Right. You know, I may play for five minutes. I may dig in and write a song. But this is always nearby. And this, this kept me sane through that very trying time. And that's a painful time, too. That's a huge point that, that I, I love to cross on all the time is, like, music and art and all of these things we, we loved as kids are things that we can still love now as adults and are actually what keeps us going. The fire inside of us is those things when we were those creative kids and we can still be close to that, that inner child that doesn't even know what depression or anxiety or whatever any of that even is when you're close to those things that you love the most. Well, truth be told, I did. You know, I was a very anxious child, um, child of divorce, uh, uh, suffered from insomnia since I was five years old, severe insomnia, um, and, and began singing into a hairbrush at, at five and six years old, and, and it just never went away. You know, middle school came, started in chorus, um, I, I, but... I was okay with the group. As soon as the spotlight was on me, mm -hmm. the, I had terrifying, debilitating stage fright. And so when I was asked to audition for music and art high school, you know, the fame school, um, I, I didn't because I couldn't perform in front of people. And God knows what, you know the trajectory of my life would have looked like had that happened but that's a, on a long list of should have right right, right. But, <laughs> but my point is um before i was willing to put myself in front of people i had to hear what i sounded like mm -hmm. to go back to your original question when i heard what i sounded like when i heard what my song sounded like on the task cam what it said what my song said and i'll i'll play you that very first song that 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 i wrote uh, it started as a poem written out in the desert somewhere here um, <laughs> before I was married, like back in my early 20s. But it it became um, a signature song of mine that, you know, was that had the interest of some major labels and so on. Um, but but uh, hearing oneself as a listener mm -hmm. and that's the beauty of 
the advent of the home recording system and it's only gotten I mean look it, at what you have set up here it's it gets it's unbelievable right it's and life changing one of those things is like I I think of somatic somatic was one of the first people to create like um, a real studio grade compressor it was over fifteen thousand dollars brand new um, that now comes free their like plug-in for that comes yeah. free with Ableton live when you buy a $700 software that has thousands of things and it literally comes with the glue compressor that somatic came out with yeah. in the like early 80s it's absolutely absurd what what's available and to the touch now like so physical you can literally make it in a small space like this <laughs> what i love about the digital audio workstation which by the way none of my major recordings later re more recent stuff i have but like my CD that that I made back in you know 2000 2001 that was all done with a you know a big 32 channel Tascam mixing board right four right that machines and a right you know synced up to MIDI and it, I mean it, it wasn't an automated board so I had me my two hands and one of my sons like and I was like, okay, so at this point in this song, you're gonna move that, <laughs> you're gonna move that fader up to six. Right. That's my guitar solo. I can't do it because I got to be over here yeah, mixing yeah. like the background. <laughs> you're playing it like a multi-person instrument. It was totally and, right. And now I, I think back to the great albums of my youth, great producers Ted Templeton who did Van Halen, the Doobie Brothers, mm -hmm. uh, among a thousand other groups, but the sound uh, Phil Spector wall of sound the sounds are so layered somebody had to be there mixing and right and at, at that moment too because the there wasn't yes. a lot of like post recording effects and stuff you could no, throw on it, it had was to be all done. real time yeah yeah that's yeah. insane Until, I, I remember the you first had, you had to be mixer, talented Yamaha. you only got one or two chances you know they'd be in a studio you only had so much money it, was, you it had cost to... a fortune yeah you know they, they, that's why so many bands got screwed back then because they ate up like a million dollars worth of recording time. Totally. <laughs> Which I never got to do by <laughs> And I'm not the least bit bitter. No, no, no. <laughs> That's a different life. It's a different yeah. life. I think I like this style too. Like, cause I want to be a musician, but I want to do it during the day. <laughs> I want to be a daytime musician. I don't want to stay up till 4 a.m. in the studio with, you know, people i don't know interesting you say that because so after i got i recorded my cd and shopped it again had some serious interest this is going back to 2000 2001 ish and you know ultimately a very famous um record company executive who everybody knows his name <clears throat> excuse me he, he after after pondering my career for two weeks, you know, he got on the phone with me and he said, Mitch, man, I uh, I really dig what you do, man. But, you know, I, I got nowhere to put you here. Like, it's all boy bands and, 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 and hip hop <laughs> right now. I don't know what to do with you. And 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 so maybe a couple months after that, I got offered a deal by a. a an indie label a top indie label but they would have put me on the road 45 weeks a year totally <clears throat> at the time i already had three kids i was making more money as a carpenter than i than i was gonna as a like journeyman 
you know, got tor touring musician uh, in a van with three other guys. Totally. Running around the country. I would have missed my kids. Right. Um, so, you know, cut to three or four years later, John Mayer breaks and steals my slot. <laughs> right? Because that's sort of my electric sound. That's, you know, the singer, songwriter, electric guitarist. Um, not taking anything away from Mayer. He's amazing. He's like one of our favorites in my family. But, uh, yeah, um, that... And, and then the singer-songwriter kicked off, but I was 35 years old at that point. You know, what was I going to do? I was, you know, I was going to... Aside from Ray LaMontagne, nobody, like, in their 30s and 40s, like, jumps off and, and, and gets to that, the highest level of success. Totally. So, Right, you know, maybe and I think my, that's why. As I push up on sixty, you know, my si I'll be the first guy to do it in the sixties, maybe. Hell yeah, I definitely get. Um, I get kind of salty when I hear about people who have been playing music their whole lives because I was kind of given that opportunity. I was always given instruments, but I was never like taught how to use them, and I they, I just felt I was never never excited. And um, I had a drum set for a little while as a kid, and I like hit it a couple times, and I saw everyone's bases like how awful it sounded to them and it I never wanted to touch any of it and so like being so new to music now I feel like I'm I'm in this race now to like get to a, a niche where that I I feel is desirable to me and the people around me but have I don't know I'm trying to catch up on the experience thing for sure so like being around music your whole life is such a great opportunity I'll say to you what I would say to anyone's what I had said what I've said to my own sons um, you just have to pick up your instrument and start writing totally even when it sucks it, it sucks a lot of times <laughs> it, it doesn't matter I mean so for the for the 20 or 30 what I consider to be great songs that I've written there's 130 that I won't play for anybody in fact I can't even remember them because they just got lost in the shuffle somewhere. Totally. Um, some of them I can't even play live because they're too complicated or they were written on keyboard, you know, and, and it's totally. never just translated. But, um, you know, I, I... That can be a really big challenge for a singer-songwriter is saying, I know all the parts that need to be here, but I don't have enough hands or bandwidth to do all of these things at once. And when you're trying to do an independent you know cut you know track or independent album or whatever that is it can it can get kind of daunting to have so many tasks at hand um like i'm by no means a drummer but i've got a drum set because i will have to make my my own beats one day i'll be out on this road and i'll have to do it and it's going to make me a better musician true story uh one of my sons said pop i want to play drums and I said, no fucking way, Because <laughs> right? all the years going into studios, playing with drummers, drummers never stop They're drumming. They're animals. You're, you're, trying, <laughs> animals. Like, you're trying to tune up your guitar, and the drummer is drumming. Yeah, you're yeah. like, dude, can you shut the fuck up for five minutes? You don't have to tune. tune. <laughs> you know, I, I'm saying to, to, a, to a, ba a keyboard player, hit, give, me, g give me an A, please. And you can't hear an A because the drummer's drumming. So I, I, I shut that shit down really quickly. <laughs> So they became guitarists, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, singers and uh, piano players. So, yeah. Would you like to play a couple more songs for us? Really? Yeah. 
All right. I mean, you know how nervous that makes me, but I will do it. Sometimes the sun will shine in the summertime rain And the wind don't blow in the eye of a hurricane Every broken heart will mend one day And every fallen angel gonna fly away I say everything gonna be alright Everything's gonna be alright, I say Oh, I have slept in fields of green and gold Where the eagle flies and wild horses roam I walk where desert winds forever blow now I finally found my way down coming home I know everything gonna be alright Everything gonna be alright Everybody got a song inside to sing Sing it loud like the whole world's listening Everybody got a light inside let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I feel the needle cold upon my skin. Thunder clouds and lightning rolling in. Light bulbs gently and the morning comes. I awaken for thy will not man be done. I know everything gonna be alright. Everything gonna be alright. Everything gonna be song inside to sing sing it loud like the whole world's listening everybody got a light inside let it shine let it shine let it shine thanks again everybody for being here hanging out with us today if you did for a little while we really appreciate any of your time my name is Jalen and this is Mitch Barr we are recording today in the cream-based bus cream-based bus we love the cream-based bus we did recording out of a 37 36 foot school bus uh, that we are officially nomadic as of three weeks ago which is really cool and uh, plenty of time to go but what we do here is introduce nomadic people and just people along the road that we meet that 
have something going on that they want to share with the world, whether it be music, art, any kind of talent or anything they want to teach somebody or the world, as many people as we can outreach, I guess. And uh, today we have Mitch Barr with us. And up next, we're going to be talking a little bit about what he does as Nomadic Van Sessions. It was over at first sight, I was blinded by your holy light. Never did I see the line I crawled Been out on the road a while And my heart remains unreconciled And the signs are everywhere But still I'm lost Oh, it's been a long time since I Felt like a good man inside And rose above too many days and nights have passed How much longer can I last Without your love Without your love Somewhere we got left behind And from this boat I still can't find The man my father swore I'd never be With California mind while I'm living low on Texas town but that's what you get when you leave a man like me oh it's been a long time since I felt like a good man inside and rose above too many days and nights have passed how much longer can I last without your love your love I know that it's over now nothing left to talk about I just need to say goodbye for good say I love you and drive away let the tears fall down just as they may looks like another sunny day in Hollywood much longer can I last without your love, without your love. California's on my mind while I'm living low on Texas time, but that's what you get when you leave a man like me. kind of feels like poetry time because it's a small space so you don't want to like get heavy you know I so like you want to be excited and show your appreciation but you don't it's not like a snap moment well I, i've done <laughs> the snap thing there so I, when i went back to school for what i do midlife i went back to college at 41 and i i had to take an english class for my 
degree in that in that uh, subject, and uh, I took a poetry class, and and this teacher was um, she was very 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 big into the uh, slam poetry. And so I wrote this really cool poem and, and wound up playing it at uh, the um, Bowery Poetry Club. And so I, I got some snaps. It was pretty cool. It's like a coffee house kind of vibe too, you know? Total coffee house vibe, yeah. <laughs> we talked a little bit about music, what inspires you. And now I want to talk a little bit more about exactly what Nomadic Van Sessions is. And what you kind of have planned for this Dodge Ram that you've got out here. It is a Dodge Ram, right? It is a Dodge Ram ProMaster. Mm -hmm. um, 136 inch wheelbase. She's the shorty, but we have certainly maximized the space in there, as you've seen. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as is the case with everybody out here doing this nomadic thing, um, uh, everybody's got something that they're doing and and uh so i i switched up my instagram and 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 i changed it to nomadic van sessions and what was it before uh it was life on two wheels and since i have not been on two wheels in a while it was appropriate to change um but it's a dual purpose it's a dual purpose uh, name it's a space for me to create music and, sure. and, and I've, I've uploaded a couple of little videos I, maybe two of the songs that I just played um, but it's also they're hits they really are that's what I like big hits uh, some I, I will eventually play the stage in Madison Square Garden that was always what it was about for me um, but uh it's also a a an effort to extend myself to the nomadic community as well as as well as the you know the the rest of the people who might you know catch a glimpse of what I do by any means whether it's through things like this or by accident mm -hmm. um you know, I, I, I work with the addicted population and um, it, there's a, a healthy share of people struggling with that out here in, in, in the van and, and schoolie and, and nomadic community. Right, and a lot of it uh, accustomed to it as well uh, based on you know, what they got going on in their lives with the people around them. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely, and and so I, you know, I want, I want my van to be a safe space, where people can come to me, and allow me to be of service to them. Uh, it's kind of what I have devoted the last fifteen years of my life to, um, and there's no reason that I, I I have to stop that because I am living nomadically. Um, you know, if anything, it's going to excel because now you can really reach those people literally at any given moment. Well, I, so for the last, the better part of the last two years, yeah, and we're pushing up on two years now. Um, 
that is what I've done. I've traveled around the country. You know, I've been from California to Oklahoma City, had the motorcycle accident, got laid up there. As soon as I was walking again, I was in Seattle with a client for three months, and then I was in uh, uh, Florida for a couple of months, back to California, back then to Texas, Austin, back to California, then in, D in Dallas for four months. And after Dallas, I was like, all right, I need a little break. I got to take some time for myself for self-healing, self-care. But um, the phone the phone can ring anytime. Uh, my email can, you know, they, people can reach me. They, they often do reach me, reach me by email. Um, and do you want to let the people know what that email is? Sure, it people is. People want to get in touch It with is uh, at at gmail dot com. Um, as it sounds, lowercase, no spaces, recovery road project. And uh, interesting how that just happens. You know, I had this vision five, seven, eight years ago of doing just this, traveling around, working one on one with people outside of a rehab environment, uh, because as many people know uh the rehab model is designed for failure sure uh it's cookie cutter probably much like our prison uh very much <laughs> very much and and you know what i do is i i go and i i tailor people's recovery for what their needs are you know i meet their families i meet their um uh, if they if they I've gone into people's offices with them. Um, the one-on-one -on -one is very powerful. It, very it, powerful. It is. It's 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 an incredible experience. I, I look forward to doing it. Um, and and most of the people that I've done that type of intervention with, and it's anywhere from three to six months, typically three. Uh, they are sustaining sobriety um, after I leave, which is which is. That's the measure, you know. anybody, anybody can anybody can stay sober when they've got somebody babysitting them. Uh, but I don't babysit them. I'm 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 working on building a foundation in recovery uh, that is based on my own experiences. I'm in recovery myself for six almost sixteen years, and uh, the individualization part I think is what 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 makes things click. People feel attended to. Now, a question that kind of comes to, to mind is that um, when when someone has decided it's as serious as it is and they need to get help to stop because they, they no longer can do it on their own, um, and it's important for those people to continue to stay sober, is that just in a mindset that if they were to do something again that it could spring into action all of this previous past stuff that um like what actually is stopping people from just like having a casual smoke or a casual drink after they've went through something as serious as needing knowing that they need the help and the support so the short there's a there's a much longer answer that I won't bore you with, um, but the short version of the answer to that question, which I get asked all the time, is that addiction, um, and and include alcoholism in that under that umbrella. Absolutely, uh, addiction is chronic. That is, there is no cure. 
nobody wakes up one day after X number of years living an addicted lifestyle um, and all of the horrors that go with it, um, the costs associated with it, financially, uh, absolutely, m- occupationally, relationships, family, family. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, um, they, 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 you know, they want to know, like, why can't I moderate? You know, can you teach me how to be drink moderately? The answer is no, I can't do that. Uh, there are people who advocate for that and that they, they're able to. Um, but that seems even harder than just stopping to say, yeah, I can do this willy-nilly now that I know how to control myself. This is a bold statement, but I will say it anyway. Anyone who claims to have used drugs or alcohol compulsively as an addict and sure. all that goes with it, who tells you I am now a moderate drinker or a moderate pot smoker, they will eventually, if not already, resume their use in, in a compulsive way. And, and you know, the, the addicted brain is wired differently than the normal brain. It's why... You know, it's why there are people who can, you know, smoke weed even daily. You know, they they, they, they they get home from work, they light up a bowl, they relax, they have dinner, they play with their kids. You know, when I was eating, you know, 50, 60, 70 Vicodin in a day, I was physically present, but I was intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually gone. And my kids knew it, my ex knew it. And, and the people around me knew it. And it's why when people enter recovery, people around them immediately start saying, you know, did you lose weight? Did you change your hair? Did you, what, uh, you look so good. And they don't know why, because they didn't know what was going on in the first place. It's because the, the light goes back on. You know, people who use addictively are dying, sometimes very quickly, right sure. before people's eyes. And so um, recovery is about gaining that light back and having a spiritual transformation. And for people who struggle with that, like myself, um, back then, uh, it, it, it is often the hardest part of, of, of what I do is helping people find their own spiritual niche uh, to, into which they can step and, and begin to practice a recovery oriented lifestyle for someone who is um maybe actively thinking about recovery um who's maybe just gone too far and now wants to think about uh, turning that light back on what what would you say to someone who doesn't have a lot of money or resources alone to maybe like actively like go get rehabilitation or something like that what would you uh, tell those people who are maybe not financially in the right place to get like deep help. What well, what's a good method for them to just start taking the right steps? Well, so let me say this right off the bat. So there are two specific substances that nobody should just stop taking cold turkey, and that is alcohol and benzos, benzos like right. like like 
Valium, Clonopin, Xanax. And they don't tell you that at the they doctors don't tell you when that, they give you that. <laughs> but if you've been taking those in excess for a long time and you stop, stopping can kill you. Right. You must go to a hospital. You must go through at least three to five days of detox, medically supervised detox. Um, even when I go to work with somebody privately, mm-hmm. while I'm in transit, you know, so the way it works is somebody calls me, says, hey, Mitch, are you still doing the kind of work where you, I, yes, what's going on? And the the decision whether I'm going to go and work with them process usually takes somewhere around 12 to 36 hours. And as as soon as they say, all right, I want to do this, I have already found, if they don't have one already, I have found them a an addictionologist who is a psychiatrist who is willing to provide them with the medication that is necessary. Sure. Or I'll tell them to go to detox and I'll be there by the time you get out and we'll start work. Um, but sometimes I, you know. How long I, would you say like a normal detox would take? Well. Like th- for things like that, like that you have to get uh, To be treated. safe, right. three to four, maybe five days. Uh, they're usually out of the woods. You know, it's a blood pressure check. It's are, are they still having tremors? Um, uh, if they're coming off of opiates, that's a whole nother story. Um, you know, they they can be safe, but they're fucking miserable. Um, yeah, and totally. that can. I mean, I was dope sick for twenty two or twenty three days, which is longer than normal. Um, most people can get through opiate withdrawal in a week or less, if if they stop, stop. And there are medications that can be taken, um, which I am a big believer in. Uh, some people in, in the community are against medical uh, uh, medication-assisted. So well, it's called MAT, uh, medication-assisted treatment um, mm-hmm. or therapy, and that is, you know, if if they're especially if they're opiate addicts, because the the hooks are so strong that oftentimes there's a period during which a transitional medication is needed to get them out of the day-to-day habits of using while tapering down a, a supervised taper that makes withdrawal more tolerable, um, after which we can then dig in and do some work, you know, try and identify the day-to-day life changes that need to happen in order to sustain recovery. Because it's, sure. it's a global life change. Everything changes. My life changed. The people that I work with, their lives change, um, and it's recognizable. People people see it fairly quickly. Right, it and has to. It literally die. comes to fruition, like in front of them, and that's probably one of the most exciting things for someone going through recovery. Is like, on the other end of this, is that really cool guy that likes to go running and play basketball with his friends and yeah, uh, play with his kids and not just be like. Yeah, and 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 the people who the people who call me, the people I go to, they're people just like you and me or anybody else you know. Um, look, I was I was a secret, clandestine drug addict living in the suburbs, coaching little league baseball. Like nobody knew. Right. Um, you know, you know when they knew. They knew when I got clean and my life started looking really differently <laughs> from the outside. Um, then, then they kind of they, they knew something had right. changed. It was the haircut. It was the haircut, right? right. 
Um, but but so th- the hardest thing for an addict to do is to say, I can't do this, but if I don't, I'm going to die. And and but that's usually when my phone rings or I get an email and 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 then I just go because how could I not? You know, and I'd like to get to a point where I, you know, I can. What's the uh, Gmail one more time? It is Recovery Road Project uh, at Gmail dot com, or they can or they can DM me on on Instagram at uh, Nomadic Van Sessions. Nomadic Van Sessions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and and, um, you know, I often I give my time away. Anybody that just needs an ear, anybody that just wants to explore what the options are. It's a great start. Yeah, it's, that's, that is where it starts. Exactly. Starting to talk about it, yeah. And most of these people have nobody to talk to. Because the average person, is, the average addict is completely isolated underneath it all, even if they're surrounded by people. Um, or maybe just the wrong people. So the people who are actively not trying to get better are not the people to be talking to about getting better because they probably don't want to hear it. You'd be surprised how many people are in long-standing marriages with a spouse who says on one hand, I'm going to leave you if you don't stop drinking. Mm-hmm. And then at dinner, they're pouring themselves half a, half a bottle of wine. Right. So you're, you, you're absolutely right. Um, even if they're, they don't even realize they're doing anything wrong. Even if they want to be sensitive, and oftentimes that's part of my work is helping families understand what needs to happen in the family system to to help the you know my client sustain the change. Right. right? It's one thing for me to like while I'm there, be, and I've done this, taken liquor or drugs out of somebody's hand. It's another thing for them to have. Um, a sustainable environment that that is conducive to lasting recovery, right. and that's Actively. easiest easier said than done. Totally. But I but I, well, I just want to say this: there is help for everybody immediately today. You know, all you have to do is go on narcoticsanonymous.com, I guess, or AA's main website, and there are meeting finders that you can that you can download to your phone that will b- tell you when the next and closest 12-step meeting is and all you have to do is walk into it and ask for help i realize easier said than done and a lot of people have this anti 12-step bias i believe in all paths to recovery if 12-step doesn't work for you i will find another way but but that but exists and method. it works right. absolutely right yeah. try to try Fail and try again. I went to rehab. <laughs> I got home. I took the wife and kids to dinner, and then I went to a meeting. And I was an active member in the twelve-step community for several years, uh, and I still attend meetings. You know, so it it does work if you're if you know you're open to it. Yeah, but but there are other things. Once again, I appreciate you being here today i appreciate you having me um you know i love the sound of my own voice <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good from here and and here yeah yeah <laughs> and, uh, and and this is you know what you're doing what you are um 
growing here in the cream-based bust is is uh, a bridge between the people who inhabit this community and people out there who who um, would not otherwise get a window into what we do and who we are. So right. whether it's music or it's there's some really cool shit going there's on. There's some here. <laughs> amazing shit, and the, and I'll tell you what, I I have not felt so comfortable around strangers that immediately became friends in 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 a very long time. Right. We've kind of I mean even just recently we met at Schooly Palooza and now we have this like little community we've been just like hanging out with in Arizona for a little while before we go on our own ways again, you yeah. know. Uh, and I didn't expect I thought Schooly Palooza was going to be it. that was going to be what we did for a little and then we were going to be alone for a while. And now um getting to the point where we're now you know, hanging out with you guys and doing this. This is super excited. This is what I wanted to be doing. And now this gives me the perfect opportunity to just start diving in and finding out what I want this to be. And really it's a space for everyone doing something that they are passionate about. And there is a this lot is episode of passion one. out here. There, I mean, people are passionate about whatever their thing is. Right. That we've we've got it in space. You have to be incredibly intentional about what you bring with you because it has to be important. If it's not, you're probably going to throw it on the side of the road because you don't need it in, in your way. <laughs> and I would imagine that people jump into this, they try it out, and maybe it's not for them. Um, and that's okay. But But... But it's if you're thinking about but... this, pardon? <laughs> it's definitely an investment. It's an investment, sure. Um, but if, if, but anyone who's thinking about trying this way of life really needs to... I mean, we met people at Schooly who are doing it in their car or their Jeep. or Like, you don't need right. a... Or with eight chickens and six kids. With eight chickens and six kids, exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, well, if you'd like to play us out, we've got room for one more song. I'll play you out. I'll play you. I'll play you out with. Um, let's see. I will play you out with what a very old friend of mine. This was one of the first songs I recorded. Um, you look good with the shades on, by the way. Well, it's thank a, you. It's a, and it, it helped because the ocular migraine didn't take full hold. I and I think shutting it down too. That helped a lot. Shutting the light off helped. Because in theory, I would have had to. I, I normally what I do is I find a interior bathroom, close the door, put something under it so no light comes in. Yeah. I've got to be in pitch black. Yeah, she knows. So, and one of the things that helps me wouldn't help you, but she literally will grab my hair at the scalp, like literally on the roots, and pull from all the angles and just rip my hair, like pull tight, 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 all over. Oh, and you it get usually. Them. Oh yeah, oh, I, I've had them since I was a child. It's absolutely miserable. I haven't had one in two years, yeah. and there it was. But there this is. was nothing. It, it's it's. I think it's gone. But yeah, you have to shut everything down, whether it be sound, uh, smell. Any smells will will definitely make it worse. Like, I, I'm right there with you. <laughs> and of all the things you want to give to your kids, like my, my youngest son. <laughs> He gets them. And of course, my phone will ring and it'll be like, hey, Pop, just, feel, you know, just wanted to connect. I'm having an ocular migraine, feeling really anxious. I'm, and I'll just stay with him while he's, you know, putting himself in the dark and, right. you know, carrying himself through it. Um, as you can tell, my, my sons are just everything to me. They're, they're like my whole world. 
Okay, well, I will take us out, as you say. Uh, and this song is called, Say When, Solitary Man. Sacrificing freedom, searched in vain for my lost kingdom. I was ripped apart. Standing lonesome in a crowded room, surrounded by impending doom, I waited. Can I tell you what it's like to be solitary man? Dressed up like a princess, unrequited love, relentless, you were flying. How I long to be your savior, keep you from the danger you're denying. Could I catch you when you fall? Could I even save myself at all? I'm dying. like to be solitary man Whoa TV plays all night Hate to be alone but Deep inside the darkness there My solitude has grown Ten years come and gone See my baby born in mesmerizing wonder Now I look into his eyes And see reflections of my lightning and thunder And I swear to God can't let him be another Sentimental fool like me You can't understand what it's like to be a solitary man Let me tell you what it's like to be a solitary man time thank you so much mitch for being here today my pleasure thank you for having me and we're headed to craggy wash uh tomorrow craggy wash we're doing the thing
Have you been to it? Have you been nope. through there? I hope there's water. Sounds like there is. There's a wash. There's no wash. There's no there's washing. Just bumps. Okay. <laughs> you just got to take it real slow. But okay. I saw schoolies back there. Cool, so you cool. Get, get there. <laughs> cool. And this is Nomadic Van Sessions, you guys. Follow him on Instagram if you want to know what's going on. Follow me on Instagram. DM me if you're struggling. Reach out by email. That's recoveryroadproject at gmail.com. Uh, reach out to the cream based bus and say, yo, where's that Mitch dude? Um, really, uh, don't struggle alone. People who struggle alone, they don't last long. So you need help. I'll show up. Period. End of story. Freaking <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>